Mosiah chapter 4. At this point, King Benjamin interrupted his address to look closely at the huge crowd surrounding his high tower. He wanted to see what effect his message had had upon them. What he saw was astonishing. Here is what the record says. And now it came to pass that when King Benjamin had made an end of speaking the words which had been delivered unto him by the angel of the Lord, that he cast his eyes round about on the multitude, and behold, they had fallen to the earth, for the fear of the Lord had come upon them, and they had viewed themselves in their own carnal state, even less than the dust of the earth. And they all cried aloud with one voice, saying, O oh, have mercy, and apply the atoning blood of Christ, that we may receive forgiveness of our sins, and our hearts may be purified. For we believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who created heaven and earth and all things, who shall come down among the children of men. Not only had the message of the prophet king caused them to fall upon the ground, but the next thing they knew, the Spirit of the Lord fell upon them, and they were endowed with a marvelous Pentecostal experience. And it came to pass that after they had spoken these words, the Spirit of the Lord came upon them, and they were filled with joy, having received a remission of their sins, and having peace of conscience, because of the exceeding faith which they had in Jesus Christ who should come, according to the words which King Benjamin had spoken unto them. In this verse we have a glowing description of how repentant people feel when their sins are forgiven. Now King Benjamin says he wants to finish his address. And King Benjamin again opened his mouth and began to speak unto them, saying, My friends and my brethren, my kindred and my people, I would again call your attention that ye may hear and understand the remainder of my words which I shall speak unto you. For behold, if the knowledge of the goodness of God at this time has awakened you to a sense of your nothingness and your worthless and fallen state. Here is probably the longest sentence in the entire Book of Mormon, consisting of 168 words. It extends over three verses. One of the reasons it is so long is the fact that King Benjamin interrupts himself at the end of this verse 5 and spends all of the remainder of the chapter on a parenthetical subject that suddenly crossed his mind. You will notice that he starts out addressing the people before him. Then, in the middle of verse 6, he starts talking about, quote, him that puts his trust in the Lord, unquote. Then he moves over to discuss the atonement which was prepared from the foundation of the world for all mankind. It is interesting that during this long, complicated sentence, King Benjamin changes the subject of the sentence three times, but you never miss the point that he's trying to make. I say unto you, if ye have come to a knowledge of the goodness of God, and his matchless power, and his wisdom, and his patience, and his long-suffering towards the children of men, and also the atonement, which has been prepared from the foundation of the world, that thereby salvation might come to him that should put his trust in the Lord, and should be diligent in keeping his commandments, 
and continue in the faith even unto the end of his life, I mean the life of the mortal body, I say that this is the man who receiveth salvation through the atonement which was prepared from the foundation of the world for all mankind, which ever were since the fall of Adam, or who are, or whoever shall be, even unto the end of the world. Now Benjamin wants to impress upon his listeners that the straight and narrow path that leads to salvation is based on certain conditions. And this is the means whereby salvation cometh. And there is none other salvation save this which hath been spoken of. Neither are there any conditions whereby man can be saved except the conditions which I have told you. He begins with faith, the faith to believe and accept certain fundamental truths. Believe in God. Believe that He is, and that He created all things, both in heaven and in earth. Believe that He has all wisdom and all power, both in heaven and in earth. Believe that man doth not comprehend all the things which the Lord can comprehend. Then he says we must have the faith to repent. In other words, faith is not just an intellectual exercise. We have to do something about it. And again, believe that ye must repent of your sins and forsake them, and humble yourselves before God, and ask in sincerity of heart that he would forgive you. And now, if you believe all these things, see that ye do them. He wants the people to keep everything which has happened to them in proper perspective. Genuine faith and true repentance help us to realize how great God is and how frail we are. And again I say unto you, as I have said before, that as ye have come to the knowledge of the glory of God, or if ye have known of his goodness and have tasted of his love, and have received a remission of your sins, which causeth such exceeding great joy in your souls. Even so I would that ye should remember and always retain in remembrance the greatness of God, and your own nothingness, and his goodness and long-suffering towards you, unworthy creatures, and humble yourselves even in the depths of humility, calling on the name of the Lord daily, and standing steadfastly in the faith of that which is to come, which was spoken by the mouth of the angel. To have a joyous relationship with our Heavenly Father requires that we retain the remission of our sins. King Benjamin describes how to raise our children to become righteous sons and daughters of God. And behold, I say unto you that if ye do this, ye shall always rejoice and be filled with the love of God and always retain a remission of your sins. And ye shall grow in the knowledge of the glory of him that created you or in the knowledge of that which is just and true. And ye will not have a mind to injure one another, but to live peaceably and to render to every man according to that which is his due. And ye will not suffer your children that they go hungry or naked, 
Neither will ye suffer that they transgress the laws of God, and fight and quarrel one with another, and serve the devil, who is the master of sin, or who is the evil spirit which hath been spoken of by our fathers, he being an enemy to all righteousness. But ye will teach them to walk in the ways of truth and soberness. Ye will teach them to love one another, and to serve one another. Next he comes to the godly virtue of charity and generosity. And also ye yourselves will succor those that stand in need of your succor. Ye will administer of your substance unto him that standeth in need. And ye will not suffer that the beggar putteth up his petition to you in vain, and turn him out to perish. King Benjamin outlines the excuses which often come to mind when we neglect the needy. Perhaps thou shalt say, The man has brought upon himself his misery. Therefore I will stay my hand, and will not give unto him of my food, nor impart unto him of my substance, that he may not suffer, for his punishments are just. But I say unto you, O man, whosoever doeth this, the same hath great cause to repent. And except he repenteth of that which he hath done, he perisheth forever and hath no interest in the kingdom of God. For behold, are we not all beggars? Do we not all depend upon the same being, even God, for all the substance which we have, for both food and raiment, and for gold and for silver, and for all the riches which we have of every kind? And behold, even at this time, ye have been calling on his name and begging for a remission of your sins, and has he suffered that ye have begged in vain? Nay, he has poured out his Spirit upon you, and has caused that your hearts should be filled with joy, and has caused that your mouths should be stopped, that ye could not find utterance. So exceeding great was your joy. He reminds the people of their urgent pleading during the past hour, when they were begging the Lord to forgive their sins. And now if God who has created you, on whom you are dependent for your lives and for all that ye have and are, doth grant unto you whatsoever ye ask that is right in faith, believing that ye shall receive. Oh, then, how ye ought to impart of the substance that ye have one to another. King Benjamin says there is a great responsibility in turning away worthy persons who come pleading for assistance. And if ye judge the man who putteth up his petition to you for your substance that he perish not, and condemn him, how much more just will be your condemnation for withholding your substance, which doth not belong to you but to God, to whom also your life belongeth, and yet ye put up no petition nor repent of the thing which thou hast done? I say unto you, Woe be unto that man, for his substance shall perish with him. And now I say these things unto those who are rich as pertaining to the things of this world. Now King Benjamin turns to the poor. He describes the attitude they should have. They must be careful not to selfishly covet other people's property when they might go out and earn their own. And again I say unto the poor, 
Ye who have not and yet have sufficient that ye remain from day to day. I mean all you who deny the beggar because ye have not. I would that ye say in your hearts that I give not because I have not, but if I had, I would give. And now if ye say this in your hearts, ye remain guiltless, otherwise ye are condemned, and your condemnation is just, for ye covet that which ye have not received. It is interesting that King Benjamin urges the people to open their hearts and be generous with those in need, since otherwise they will be guilty of being miserly, avaricious, and parsimonious. Notice that King Benjamin says once more, as he did in verse 12, that being helpful to those in need is one way to, quote, retain a remission of sins, unquote. Many people think that once sins are forgiven, they are forever blotted out. But the scripture says that if a person becomes dilatory or backsliding in his righteous endeavors, his or her former sins will begin to return to them. This doctrine is set forth in the Doctrine and Covenants, section 82, verse 7. And now, for the sake of these things which I have spoken unto you, that is, for the sake of retaining a remission of your sins from day to day, that ye may walk guiltless before God, I would that ye should impart of your substance to the poor, every man according to that which he hath, such as feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, visiting the sick, and administering to their relief, both spiritually and temporally, according to their wants. Now King Benjamin comes to some wonderful advice on how to handle charity and welfare. And see that all these things are done in wisdom and order, for it is not requisite that a man should run faster than he has strength. And again it is expedient that he should be diligent, that thereby he might win the prize. Therefore all things must be done in order. Notice that King Benjamin says giving assistance to others should be done in wisdom and in order. Benjamin Franklin pointed out that some charity or compassion can be counterproductive, for example. Compassion which gives a drunk the means to increase his drunkenness is counterproductive. This point is made by Benjamin Franklin in Volume 5, page 538 of his writings. Compassion which breeds debilitating dependency and weakness is also counterproductive, he says. And that's in the same book, page 123. And he says compassion which blunts the desire or the necessity to work for a living is counterproductive. And that's in volume 3, page 136 to 37. And compassion which smothers the instinct to strive and excel is counterproductive which he says in volume 3, page 136 to 137. When it comes to wisdom and good order in helping others, Benjamin Franklin had this to say, quote, To relieve the misfortunes of our fellow creatures is concurring with deity. It is godlike. But if we provide encouragement for laziness and support for folly, may we not be found fighting against the order of God and nature, which perhaps has appointed want and misery as the proper punishment for and cautions against, as well as necessary consequences of idleness and extravagance. Whenever we attempt to amend the scheme of providence, 
and to interfere with the government of the world. We have need to be very circumspect lest we do more harm than good. Unquote. And Benjamin Franklin says this in volume 3, page 135 of his writings. King Benjamin has some appropriate advice for people who are always borrowing from their neighbors. And I would that ye should remember that whosoever among you borroweth of his neighbor should return the thing that he borroweth, according as he doth agree, or else thou shalt commit sin, and perhaps thou shalt cause thy neighbor to commit sin also. King Benjamin now feels he has itemized enough sins which can rob us of our salvation. Certainly one could not list them all. Finally, he has a wonderful statement to conclude this inspired address. And finally, I cannot tell you all the things whereby ye may commit sin, for there are divers ways and means, even so many that I cannot number them. But this much I can tell you, that if ye do not watch yourselves and your thoughts and your words and your deeds and observe the commandments of God and continue in the faith of what ye have heard concerning the coming of our Lord, even unto the end of your lives, ye must perish. And now, O man, remember and perish not. Mosiah chapter 5. After such an extensive gospel treatise, King Benjamin sent out messengers to ask the people whether they believed what he had told them. The most gratifying report came back to him. And now it came to pass that when King Benjamin had thus spoken to his people, he sent among them desiring to know of his people if they believed the words which he had spoken unto them. And they all cried with one voice, saying, Yea, we believe all the words which thou hast spoken unto us, and also we know of their surety and truth, because of the Spirit of the Lord Omnipotent, which has wrought a mighty change in us, or in our hearts, that we have no more disposition to do evil, but to do good continually. They had not only been intellectually persuaded, but the Spirit of the Lord was turning them into a different kind of people. In fact, the Spirit of the Lord was vibrating in their souls with such radiance that they could see into the future and felt a powerful and compulsive desire to prophesy and describe what they saw. And we ourselves also, through the infinite goodness of God and the manifestations of His Spirit, have great views of that which is to come. And were it expedient, we could prophesy of all things. And it is the faith which we have had on the things which our King has spoken unto us that has brought us to this great knowledge, whereby we do rejoice with such exceeding great joy. The dynamics of this great new spirit of righteousness and rejoicing made them want to enter into a covenant with the Lord and serve Him diligently the rest of their lives. And we are willing to enter into a covenant with our God to do His will and to be obedient to his commandments in all things that he shall command us, all the remainder of our days, that we may not bring upon ourselves a never-ending torment, as has been spoken by the angel, that we may not drink out of the cup of the wrath of God. And now, 
These are the words which King Benjamin desired of them. And therefore he said unto them, Ye have spoken the words that I desired, and the covenant which ye have made is a righteous covenant. The king declared that making this covenant with the Lord had bonded them in a glorious new relationship with the Savior. And now, because of the covenant which ye have made, ye shall be called the children of Christ, his sons and his daughters. For behold, this day he hath spiritually begotten you, for ye say that your hearts are changed through faith on his name. Therefore ye are born of him and have become his sons and his daughters. King Benjamin had promised to give these people a new name by which they would be known hereafter. And under this head ye are made free, and there is no other head whereby ye can be made free. There is no other name given whereby salvation cometh. Therefore I would that ye should take upon you the name of Christ, all you that have entered into the covenant with God, that ye should be obedient unto the end of your lives. And it shall come to pass that whosoever doeth this shall be found at the right hand of God. For he shall know the name by which he is called, for he shall be called by the name of Christ. And now it shall come to pass that whosoever shall not take upon him the name of Christ must be called by some other name. Therefore he findeth himself on the left hand of God. Benjamin wanted to stress upon their minds and hearts that there was something very sacred about this name. They must never forget it. It is almost unbelievable that this name had been forgotten by all the pagan empires and even by the Jews. And I would that ye should remember also that this is the name that I said I should give unto you that never should be blotted out except it be through transgression. Therefore take heed that ye do not transgress, that the name be not blotted out of your hearts. I say unto you, I would that ye should remember to retain the name written always in your hearts, that ye are not found on the left hand of God, but that ye hear and know the voice by which ye shall be called, and also the name by which he shall call you. He wanted them to know that there is a very serious penalty imposed by the Lord on all those who forget this sacred name. Unless they remember the name by which they are called, they will be among those who are rejected by God because they are found on his left hand. For how knoweth a man the master whom he has not served, and who is a stranger unto him, and is far from the thoughts and intents of his heart? And again, doth a man take an ass which belongeth to his neighbor and keep him? I say unto you, Nay. He will not even suffer that he shall feed among his flocks, but will drive him away and cast him out. I say unto you that even so shall it be among you, if ye know not the name by which ye are called. He wanted them to know that all of this is part of the sealing of their souls to Christ as members of his mighty kingdom. Therefore, I would that ye should be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in good works, that Christ the Lord God Omnipotent may seal you his, that you may be brought to heaven, 
that ye may have everlasting salvation and eternal life through the wisdom and power and justice and mercy of him who created all things in heaven and in earth, who is God above all. Amen. Mosiah chapter 6 King Benjamin saw the need to formalize the intense desires of the people to bond with the Savior. And now King Benjamin thought it was expedient, after having finished speaking to the people, that he should take the names of all those who had entered into a covenant with God to keep his commandments. It is extremely unusual for a large segment of people to unite unanimously on any subject. Nevertheless, King Benjamin risked the possibility of some dissident group creating friction and dissension by taking exception to the king's advice. And it came to pass that there was not one soul, except it were little children, but who had entered into the covenant and had taken upon them the name of Christ. Nothing could have been more gratifying to the king than to have this whole people stand united in their mighty covenant to serve God all the rest of their lives. And again it came to pass that when King Benjamin had made an end of all these things, and had consecrated his son Mosiah to be a ruler and a king over his people, and had given him all the charges concerning the kingdom, and also had appointed priests to teach the people that thereby they might hear and know the commandments of God, and to stir them up in remembrance of the oath which they had made. He dismissed the multitude, and they returned, every one according to their families, to their own houses. As King Benjamin dismissed this large congregation, he must have known that this was a high mark in the history of the Nephite people. And Mosiah began to reign in his father's stead. And he began to reign in the thirtieth year of his age, making in the whole about four hundred and seventy-six years from the time that Lehi left Jerusalem. Now Benjamin did something which the Lord had commanded him to do, but it was unprecedented in the Lord's administrative procedure. It allowed the aged Benjamin to retire and live as a king and prophet emeritus, while his son Mosiah ruled in his stead. And King Benjamin lived three years, and he died. And it came to pass that King Mosiah did walk in the ways of the Lord, and did observe his judgments and his statutes, and did keep his commandments in all things whatsoever he commanded him. And King Mosiah did cause his people that they should till the earth, and he also himself did till the earth, that thereby he might not become burdensome to his people, that he might do according to that which his father had done in all things. And there was no contention among all his people for the space of three years. It is interesting that this arrangement lasted for three whole years, and Mormon leaves no doubt that it was a memorable epic in the history of the Nephite people. We hope you're enjoying this podcast by W. Cleon Skousen. To find additional books and recordings on this and other topics, please visit skousenlibrary.com.